Hi, this is AJ and you are listening to Quarter Down with AJ, your podcast if you're Indian and confused. There are myriads of news sources covering the same story from different angles, in most cases through the lens of politics. Liberals regularly blast conservative content and vice versa. So for people like you and me, what is the truth then? What are the cold hard facts? With this podcast, I'd like to shine a light on multiple aspects of a burning issue at hand, the black, the white and the grey alike. I do not claim to be an expert on any topic, but through research and conversation with you, my dear listener, I hope to get better at this with time. And by conversation, I mean direct engagement. I've provided links in the episode description for you to reach out to me and give me your most valuable feedback. Seriously, I'm right here waiting for you. All right. Today's episode is more bitter than sweet, but very close to home and heart. My home state, Kerala, is emerging from the throes of the worst flood it has witnessed in nearly a century. About 400 lives have been claimed, while nearly 60,000 people are still in relief camps, unable to make their way home, either because they still remain submerged in flood water, or they have no home to return to. At the end of this episode, I will tell you how you could help with your modest contribution. Do stay tuned till the very end. Kerala is a southern state in India and has been venerated the world over as God's own country. The state boasts an eclectic mix of sun, sand, hills and rain, with its backwaters, beaches, hills and forests attracting tourists the world over. In India, Kerala has historically been advanced with respect to its peers, boasting of a total literacy in 1991. With a burgeoning expatriate population situated worldwide, but chiefly in the UAE and other Gulf countries, as well as the USA, its contribution to Indian GDP is no slight figure. The state has long been revered for its tolerance and freedom to debate and dissent. Kerala truly is a melting pot of culture, tradition, as well as modernism. Even in the midst of all these glorious facts, there are some pointers of concern. The unprecedented scale of development and the incredibly huge population, estimated at 34.8 million in 2012, means that in many cases, ensuring protection of ecologically sensitive areas was given little to no importance. Farmlands and wetlands were levelled to make room for buildings and high-rises, while the natural course of many rivers were diverted and river water stored in dams. With such an indiscriminate pace of development, it was only a matter of time before the state was submerged in the deluge unleashed by the hounds of its own hell. Indeed, the reckoning, as some would call it, unceremoniously arrived on August 8.
Kerala is located on the western coast of India, flanked by the Indian Ocean, and is heavily prone to the changes in the trifecta of water bodies, which also include the Arabian Sea and the Bay of Bengal. The onset of the monsoon into Kerala in late May and early June indicates that the rains will follow in the rest of the country. This year, the IMD or the Indian Met had forecasted a normal monsoon with rain set to arrive three days before the anticipated date of June 1st. The four-month-long monsoon this year had brought with it a, a renewed hope of bountiful crop which is all the most significant once you consider that over 50% of farmers all over India are dependent on rain-fed cultivation. The 2018 monsoon made it seem like a better year in the alternating cycle of good and bad monsoons, even as rains in Kerala began to lose steam somewhere between June and July. In the latter half of July, the rains made a return with a ferocity that surprised most observers. However, the continued intensity brought with it some unprecedented developments. Within days, 35 of the 39 dams in the state had breached their limits and had their shutters opened even as people in the vicinity were being evacuated. Over the second week of August, the sight of people wading with their precious belongings, many of whom were women with young children and the elderly. The sight of this as well as the image of fisher boats sailing on flood waters up to six feet high. These were the lasting images that plastered anxious viewers to their TV screens. Many people were locked inside their own houses in the central districts of Alapura, Aluva, Trishur and Malapuram, stuck with wet clothes and no access to their basic needs. Kitchens and house foundations were equally destroyed beyond repair and many awaited to be rescued. The state's kharif crop was utterly destroyed, and it was not uncommon to see dead animals being washed up on the streets long after the floodwaters had been had receded. Before I discuss the problems that led to such a mammoth disaster, one must acknowledge and celebrate the indomitable humaneness of everyday citizens that came to light in the wake of this calamity. The armed forces were among the first to rise to the occasion, deploying helicopters and undertaking in risky rescue missions, such as that of the expecting mother whose water had just broke, and the paraplegic who had been rendered invalid for a long time. Fishermen from the southernmost districts of Tiruvananthapuram and Kollam also rose to the occasion and drove their boats up north on lorries and vans to help rescue the stranded. Now for these gentlemen who brave the perils of the sea on a daily basis to return with the prized catch, rescuing another individual was for most a natural progression. And what must be said about the Malayalam news outlets like Manorama News and Asianet News which had transformed their channels into dedicated relief centers, taking their focus off other developing news stories and completely shutting down advertising 
to simply support relay and direct relief workers to upset families seeking the safety of a stranded loved one as for the government the chief minister pinarayi vijayan led from the front holding regular press briefings of the re- relief operations well into midnight administrators and elected officials too led by example coordinating district level rescue missions on the ground and taking part in them as well however not everything was hunky dory there were some serious gaffes like the minister who went on a foreign tour at the time the crisis was unfolding in the online realm a number of trolls took to lambasting the state for having borne an air of intellectual superiority for years and in some cases in a very bizarre fashion called this a fitting punishment for a state which is one of the last places where beef is openly consumed what is even more surprising is how most national news channels ignored the developing crisis in their own backyard and spent their time instead dissecting and fact checking the prime minister narendra modi's independence day speech and subsequently broadcasting the funeral proceedings of revered ex prime minister ab vajpayee without a doubt both are equally important and very important but one would think it is not as much a life and death issue in 2011 a report prepared by the committee headed by noted environmental scientist and conservationist madhav gadgil became the center of a major controversy as its recommendations were tossed out by the government what was in the report only a sweeping list of recommendations for managing the ecologically sensitive regions in the western ghats the mountains that run through the state as well as the states of karnataka goa and maharashtra the latter all are now tooted to be equally vulnerable to such disaster if not worse one of the contentious recommendations was the establishment of the national level western ghats ecological authority a much needed initiative but one that would cause the state to prioritize environment protection over the more immediate concern of increasing development another committee chaired by eminent space scientist k kasturi rangan was constituted and a report prepared which brought down the ecologically sensitive area the esa zones to 37% from the previously recommended 64% additionally a prohibition on development activity in 60000 square kilometers of esa area was recommended The recommendations were more palatable but one must consider the fact that illegal quarrying and sand mining along with indiscriminate construction of high-rise buildings and a continued massive reduction of forest land have compounded the problem while exposing the state to at least one new infection every year since the mid 1970s displaced animals and mammals are now seeking homes closer to human life and exposing humans to a myriad set of zoonotic diseases as a major portion of the state is in dire need of reconstruction 
Now is as good a time as any to prioritize environment conservation along with economic planning. The fact that dams were maintained at close to full capacity meant that relentless rain only made it a matter of time before five major dams were opened at once. In the days to come, the reconstruction and rehabilitation efforts will pick up steam and that can only be made possible once assistance from development institutions such as the Asian Development Bank or the World Bank is made available as well as the promised central assistance of which an interim 600 crore rupees was offered. You were wondering what you can do to provide assistance, there's good news. The Chief Minister's Disaster Relief Fund is still accepting contributions no matter how small the amount. It will automatically provide you with a receipt and a note of thanks, so you needn't worry about your contribution being legit. You could use internet banking, your debit or credit cards, even UPI payments to contribute. I've provided the link to the official website in the description. Among other initiatives, the Chief Minister also recently made an appeal to fellow citizens to donate a month's salary to the fund, which is fine if you can afford to spare such an amount without inconveniencing yourself personally. You could alternately check if the service provider or your favorite charity is in some way involved with sending relief supplies. For instance, Milap is a charity which has a crowdfunding initiative towards ration, bed and kitchen sets, while Amazon.in and Godrej Big Basket will also enable you to purchase supplies directly useful for relief. Any little contribution you can make would go miles ahead. Well, this has been the Quarter Down with AJ podcast. The spectre of 15 minutes looms large. It's now time for this episode to end. If you like this episode, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you found it and do share the episode with your friends or simply anyone you know who would care to listen. Like I said at the beginning, I will be waiting for your feedback. That's all the time for today, folks. Stay hale and hearty and I hope you have a blessed week ahead. Take care.